0: You're listening to T.F.M.
1: Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. I'm here to... I can't even keep this pretense up. Uh, I'm Matthew Rushing, and this is Assembling Avengers, and with me as he is every single episode, the illustrious John Mills.
0: You know, um, I'm going to make another reference to this as I say hello to everybody, that I was once, uh, it was once commented that I was legendary for committing to the bit. And I would say that Assembling Avengers has been a bit that I've stayed committed to, And sometimes committing to the bit carries a cost, Matt. It really carries a cost. Time being one of them. It does.
1: Uh, You know, um, well, uh, you know, I think maybe this is a good time to, you know, John, to talk about that. You know, as we record this, um, we'll have one more episode that covers through phase four. Uh, And – we're at that place where we're not sure when and if we are going to come back for phase five. Uh, we don't know. Uh, it's just been a very uh, discouraging, I think, phase four. Yes. And um, it's it's also like John mentioned, it is the time factor. And so we'll see, um, you know, maybe if there's just a massive uproar on the interwebs where you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. So listen, subscribe. If you want more assembling Avengers, make sure you come out of the woodwork and, and tell everybody about it. So we're getting huge numbers. So we can't possibly quit. Of course, you could also help us out by following us on social media, uh, X, Twitter, you could find us at the 602 Club on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. Of course you could join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash TrekFM and support the entire network. But seriously, you know, the best way to get John and I to want to come back for phase five would be for us to be getting ridiculously huge numbers uh, on this show and make it impossible for us to quit. So uh John, with all of that said. We are now uh, at Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is, of course, the follow-up to the massive hit that was Black Panther. Yes. And yet, unfortunately, um, we had lost at this point Chadwick Boseman. Yes. And, of course, I don't think that there's any way that we could even really start this podcast or have a conversation here without just talking about – this movie and its attempt to deal with the loss of its star as a major story point. And so how do you feel like they do with that? Does it, does it work where it's supposed to, especially when we're leaning into the fact that not only is this character gone, but this person that we had all kind of fallen in love with on screen as the character. Well,
0: well, I am going to try not to tip my hat, tip my hand here uh, too early in the conversation. But when the movie is committed to dealing with that idea of grief and not knowing what direction to go when you lose somebody unexpectedly who is dear to you, I think that that is where you see the director really stepping in and that is what he wants to be talking about. I think the Kugler is struggling as many directors with an important statement do to tell that story in the context of the bullet points he's been handed about other things he is obligated to do by doing the movie in the first place. So I know that sounds like sort of a, a backhanded compliment, but it's not a backhanded compliment at the direction or those parts of the movie or the performances having to do with that part of the movie. It is a backhanded compliment at Marvel because I think that when we're talking about those specific scenes, I think especially when Angela Bassett is just given the space to inhabit her role. I think you have a tremendously successful film in those moments and it is a movie I want to watch. In those moments, it is a movie I care about because of the fact that the charisma of the star who made this a viable franchise by performing the character so incredibly well and being an apparently pleasant person off screen as well and somebody that people loved working with. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating to me because those moments, that's the movie I wanted to watch.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, especially coming back to this uh, after all of this time now, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more that the the, the real heart and soul of the movie uh, is dealing with the loss of T'Challa, dealing with the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And I think when you have that focus it's clearly the story that should be told and, and 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 part of that you know i think in in many ways you know it would have uh, been a really interesting thing for that story to um really help us feel not only the loss of t'challa but in some senses just the loss of what the mcu had been right you know, I, I think you know after Endgame and everything that had happened with all, you know, the stuff story wise with the blip and everything. I think this is a perfect time to make a smaller movie dealing with something very, very important, which is the loss of a family member, the loss of a monarch, the loss of a leader, um, and you know to to have this be this worldwide loss, and I think that unfortunately the, the 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 thing that becomes like and I think you did a great job in giving that kind of backhanded compliment because unfortunately I think Marvel in many ways gets in the way of this actually being the movie that it should be by making it try and work in all of this MCU plot stuff you know whether it's the political ramifications whether uh you know for the worldwide whether it's the political intrigue that's going on um, with the Rosses and uh, all that stuff with the CIA, or whether it's you know this whole introduction of another you know uh, race of people you know based bu- around vibranium, I mean, it just the, the, the problem is is that the movie strays so far from its heart. That in many ways, in a lot of times, you forget its heart. And the only times that I think you're really brought back to the heart of the film, and you mentioned this, and I think this is one of the things that has to be called out, regardless of how I feel about the movie. I think Letitia Wright and Angela Bassett, as the two main characters really dealing with this loss give incredible performances and 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 i think especially angela bassett who i believe was even uh nominated for an oscar for this if i'm not mistaken or if she hadn't been she should have been because i just think she was so good um but but that's where this movie really really shines um and then it's in those small interpersonal relationships you know with um uh winston duke you know Mbaku uh you know and you know the different other people that are having like Lapita Nwangah and you know um Akoye and all of these people who are just having to deal with the loss right like that's where the heart of this movie is and 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 so in some senses the performances in those people really bring that to life and yet they're constantly undercut by a story that just is so unwieldy and, un- un- and, and wild with ideas of what it wants to do that it just loses you. You
0: almost tripped up and said the word that I think you should have committed to, which is unwatchable. This movie's unwatchable <laughs> at points. Dead serious. If you're going to tell the story of the Atlanteans, and well, I'm sure we'll get into that a whole part of it, it doesn't belong here. If anything, what you're doing is you're you're taking what made the first Black Panther, not the only thing, but one of the things so unique about it was it constructed this culture that functioned and it explained how it functioned and why it functioned and how it functioned. And then you reduce that to a bullet point in this movie, you give it short shrift. You've already shown that it works. Why wouldn't the Atlanteans get their own movie? Marvel undoes itself here by doing exactly what they avoided doing in the first three phases, which was they took their time. Captain America got his own movie. Black Panther got it. We we talked about this all the time, where you got your own movie. It was an event. You wanted to go see it. Then you tied it in. Or you introduced somebody as an ancillary character and then gave the backstory as their own standalone. Those are things that work. That is not what they do here. And it's such a perfunctory thing. And it's so frustrating to me because what they were going for was a little bit of Graham Hancock, a little bit of Eric Von Daniken. And Interesting. This is an interesting thing. Oh, we took this to get away from the conquistadors and that's why we turned out this way. That's cool. That is pretty interesting. And I, I could be down with that. But the way that they deal with it in this movie, all it does is take away from what I want to be watching this movie for. And this seems unfair in some sense. But there's absolutely no sense of stakes to the conflict at the core of this movie because of the fact that I know they're not going to kill Namor. And that's how you pronounce I, – I pronounced Namor's name Namor for decades. I don't like that they decided to try to change it here. Um, but the, the – there's no sense of stakes because I know they're not going to kill him. And I know they're not gonna get rid of Atlantis, and I know that they're that nothing's gonna to happen to Ironheart. By the way, she's in the movie too. It's like what well, what's going on here? Like what well, why that's why all of this stuff we're sitting here talking about this great stuff that the cast wants to do and the cast is really showing up for, and then this is so obviously just rammed down their throats. As to other stuff that needs to be in it. I, I just don't like it. I don't like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I do. Uh, so I'm really interested to, to dive into uh, the whole stuff with Namor and Atlantis. Uh, uh, you know, I see what you for did me, there. I, dive into. There you go. Yeah. I Honestly, it was not a purpose. I wasn't even thinking. I just, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, just it, sometimes, you know, you're just so good, you don't realize how good you are. <laughs> So I – you know, I don't know anything um, about this this character. Uh, you know, I don't really know – I mean, I know he exists, right? You um, know, he's – you know, I, I, he's, you know, I, I knew that, um, you know, you had a uh, – for all intents and purposes, like an Aquaman of yeah. the, you know, MCU – Um, and so, but I didn't really know anything about this character and I, I just, for you who's in the know, just even bringing that to life, bringing this, you know, um, whole new world of Atlantis to life and everything, I I do, I want to know, you know, how, how you felt about that because I, I would say, you know, for me. I do actually have some pretty strong feelings for how this actually comes to life.
0: I think that they massively overpower Namor here. And I think that they give themselves one heck of a Superman problem. Uh, He's so powerful. Uh, Growing up reading the comics, now, I'm not still reading the comics nowadays. Everything reboots itself continually in the comic books and everything. But Namor was never the submariner was never a character where I was lit up or anybody I knew was like, Oh yeah, Namor. He was there. You knew about him and they could bring him in and do stuff with him. It was, oh, it's a water based thing. Sure, okay. But look, I'm I'm not trying to do a bit, but like it, it, Aquaman versus the Submariner. Not many people are showing up for that battle, sort of thing. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but the way that they brought Atlantis to life, and the way that they portrayed Namor, just it seemed so flat to me. It wasn't anything that was you know, let, let's contrast it right away with what they did with the first Black Panther. Because we're talking about how they basically took what they did with that and reduced it to like bullet point storytelling here. I, I, I get none of that verve. I get none of that excitement about it. It's just there. And it's like, you know, that doesn't really, I don't know, doesn't really do it for me. And maybe it's just a function of where how they crammed it together, but know. I just didn't. It, 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 it was. I, I think it just ties into that lack of stakes. I was just like, yeah, okay,
1: it's there. Uh, I. Uh, so does it for you? Do you think maybe ha- it has to do with the way in which. It's just brought to life visually because the the problem I really find with it, the Atlantis part, is that it looks so dour and so muddy and so dark that it's just like there's nothing about this place that I gravitate towards. So when it comes to, you know, caring about the place or the people that live there and the stakes involved, I don't really have any of that because, one, I don't feel like I can really truly see – you know, what's happening because the visual effects are so muddied and, and I I would say ugly. Um, and I, I, you know, I think obviously the, the big issue here is that, you know, the Aquaman film had come out already and they had created something that people really enjoyed and, and, and it was visually interesting. Right. You know, even if you don't really like the movie, I do think that, um, Atlantis feels like a, a vibrant, cool place that you want to go exploring in. This place feels like the depths of the ocean and yeah, it might be a little bit more realistic in the sense that it would be pretty dark down there, uh, and, and all that, but it just, it feels so unexciting to look at and, and, and even to try and figure out what's going on on screen because of the effects that I just, I feel like they do themselves a huge disservice by not really trying to create something that brings you in visually. And just as you mentioned in the same way in which they had created Wakanda in the first black Panther movie and created this place that is incredibly vibrant. So interesting, you know, and again like the aquaman movie where you're just like I just kind of want to go exploring through the 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 capital city in wakanda right just see what what's around the corner um and that's something that that then makes you care about the rest of it so uh, to me i think that's one of the places where the movies incredibly lacking um and really hurts itself then in whether or not i can even buy into the story that they're trying to tell with these characters
0: yeah i think also a problem that you have and this is not the first time the mcu is hitting it because there was this problem in eternals as well now that you've had everything with the snap happen and the unsnapping and all of that you're obliged to tell me when you introduce this culture how it affected them how how did it affect them did the Atlanteans get spared somehow? Why are they not talking about it? Why do they not bring it up mm. in some way and say, you know, we were open to things and we were going to, you know, I mean, you, you could even insert something. I'm not trying to rewrite anything, but like I'm just giving an example. You'd be like, you know what? We were considering following T'Challa's lead and then the snap happened and we decided, and then the unsnap happened, and we decided, screw you all. Like this is messed up. We're not going to get involved in anything anymore. You know, like, I, I'm firmly of the belief that by not addressing it, you're trying to pretend it didn't happen. Even though in another point, somebody references Thanos. Like you're obliged. If you want me to believe that this Atlantis exists, you have to tell me how the snap impacted them. What happened with them? How did it change them? Did it change Namor? Did it make him different because he saw something terrifying happen? Like, these are all things that I think should have been addressed, and they weren't. And it just feels, it feels like they decided, "Eh, it's better if we just don't talk about it. But the rest of the movie's problems really drew it out to the forefront for me, where it was like, wait a minute, they didn't talk about that either. You know, maybe if I'd been more engaged, I wouldn't have made a point of it mentally but that's where i'm at
1: yeah i can totally understand that and uh, you know this is the other thing when you were mentioning uh, that that you know this whole civilization you know uh should have had its its own movie in the sense that you know i think there's a real I think there's a great thematic element to be talking about a civilization that has kind of been stuck in the past and stuck in their rage against a, a world that doesn't really exist anymore and then coming to the surface and just, you know, because of that bent, pent up rage of hundreds of years, you know, just trying to lay waste. You know, I think there's something really interesting to be, you know, talked about with that. And I found myself to be really frustrated that it was short-changed because we don't actually really get to deal with that element. We – it's there and then we kind of push it off to the side when Namor, you know, by the end of the movie thinks that he's – He's kind of won in some ways because he's gotten you know Shuri's uh, sympathy, and you know when the world comes against Wakanda, it's going to be us against the world with them, you know. Um, and I mean, I feel like all of that because that's the type of thing that you would have wanted an entire film kind of based around, mm. not something that shoehorned in to a more important story about characters that we already care about. And yet their story is now being shoved to the sideline because we've got this other story to tell. And so none of the stories here really get the full accounting that they deserve.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's at the core of it, isn't it? It is. I think that, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, typifies uh, sort of everything we've been complaining about in phase four up to this point, which is, what are we doing here, guys? And why is it such a mess? It It's baffling. It is baffling. It's, you know, to bring in a sports analogy, even though I don't really watch American pro football anymore. It's sort of like that weird trend where you see somebody go to the Super Bowl, win or lose, and then the following season, the wheels come off and you say to yourself, what? You're fundamentally the same team. What happened? You know the, you know the phenomenon I'm talking about, right? Where somebody comes out of just like an absolutely stellar year, and they're like, man, What an incredible team. What great management. They've got a plan. They've got everything figured out. And then Wakanda forever is just like the rest of phase four. Why does this exist? Like that is the part of the planning meeting that they missed. The infinity saga, the point was to build up to something and have it become an event. Okay, I gotcha. What are we even building toward? And the individual movie can't even figure out its reason for being. It seems to me that Ryan Coogler has a reason for it, but it's not what Kevin Feige's reason is for it. And it might not even be what the, you know, somebody else like, let's, let's embrace this further. Ironheart. Why is she in this movie?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the thing.
0: No, I I want to present that challenge to you. Can you give me an answer?
1: I think the answer that they think it is, is that because she is the perfect then scientist for us to use to be the linchpin for this story, for all of these, you know, disparate elements. And she brings them all together.
0: Well, if that was their intent. I'm not going to give them a passing grade on that because you already have a brilliant super scientist character, and even by the end of it, when she's going around, she's just sidelined. Even then, like she's—I just—I don't have anything to work with here.
1: Yeah, the 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 problem here is is that again, there's so many elements because you know as as she is in the film in the sense of what we do learn about her the fact that you know she is you know somebody who's lost her parents she's lost family members I think there's if you would cut out a lot of other elements and she had been in there you know then she kind of creates this uh, mirror for somebody like Shuri and what she's going through and everything I I think The problem is, is that you don't really have the time to introduce her as a character. And the problem is, is that I think, you know, when you're asking, like, what the core of the movie is. I think the core of the movie is supposed to be with T'Challa gone, who's going to be the next Black Panther. Yes, that should be the core. Um, Everything else has to. And should feed into that very small story, and yet, unfortunately, they're again they're just so lost in the marvelness of this all uh, that it becomes marvel less. I see what you did there. There you go. That was on purpose.
0: You yeah. did that one on purpose. I like it. I yes, like it. That though. was on purpose. <laughs> I'll give you credit for that one. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's tough. It's tough because I don't like curb stomping on things, and I feel like I'm curb stomping on things at this point. I, there were elements that I enjoyed. There was stuff that that worked. I thought that uh, I actually I thought the score was good. I thought the score worked for this. I I felt I it was a good continuation. It felt like it was right for what was happening. It, does it cross the stage of this is something I would listen to in the background? Yeah, maybe I could see an argument for it. A couple of good, you know, tracks going on there, some interesting stuff. But you know, I, well, let me ask you this: What well, you know, the first Black Panther very famously had effects, especially at the end, that underwhelmed many. Do you think that they addressed that this
1: time around? So not only does this movie look worse than the original did, um, it's actually one of the hallmarks, I think, of Phase 4 when it comes to the shoddy effects work that was happening at Marvel. I mean, there are so many scenes where things do not look composited well um, and don't look real at all. Um, In a way that just draws you completely out of the film, especially, I think, the attack by the Atlanteans on uh, Wakanda the first time. Um, I mean, there's never a point where, you know, Namor feels like he is le- really there flying around. Everything just feels cheap. You know, you can see... The places where you have a set, you can see places where there's – it feels like a volume. You can see places where it's just green screen and none of it marries together in any way, shape, or form. Uh, The whole sequence at the end of the film is terrible. It looks terrible. The the whole thing with the big Wakandan boat on the ocean, like it is just an absolute – Garbage ness of a, a, I mean it's like a, it's like they're in a garbage scowl. Um, and and then again, everything is such a muddied mess when you're in Atlantis or you know whatever they call it, uh, in in under the water that I have a hard time making out what's happening. Uh, and then, of course, I have an even harder time caring. So to me, this is the one of the worst offenders so far in phase four of, of just really bad effects work, unfortunately.
0: I'd say it's really inconsistent. Yes. It's something that baffles me is when they have the – by this point, there are certain effects that I take for granted that – any team working on these projects, there's something they can go back into a library and they're starting from, you know, they're starting from phase four instead of phase one, particularly the dynamic mask removal stuff where, you know, it goes back with the quote-unquote nanotechnology and stuff like that. I'd say that's very... That, that's one of those ones that's always going to puzzle me is when that stuff doesn't map right. And it says to me, oh, they changed this shot somewhere along the way, or they decided, no, they wanted to have the actor's face in the shot instead. And so they, they comped it out really quick. I think that um, the, the effects don't – the effects the wheels don't come off until that last sequence, um. in, in my estimation. Like, it, it's one of those things where, pardon the phrase, it's treading water through most of it. Where I'm like, okay, that one wasn't great. That one's okay. That one's good. That one's okay. And then at the end, it's like, bleh. It's like they were just in some sort of a rush to get things done. I want to ask you. And a large – again, this is one of those questions that, that comes to mind because I, I'm not as engaged with the movie as I would like to be. But the uh, – and yes, I know I keep saying Atlantis and Atlanteans and I know it's got a different name. But it's just in my brain, that's just what I'm calling it because it's a city under the sea. Like, Forgive me. it's It's not a sign of disrespect to the film or the writing or anything like that. But when Namor's people infiltrate Wakanda through the water, one of the first thoughts that hits me when I'm watching it is I say, Wakanda's shields held back the Mad Titan's forces in Infinity War for quite some time. You're telling me not one of them said, Hey! If we go in the river, we don't have to do all of this. I hate to be that way. The only reason my brain goes there is because I'm quasi disinterested by that point, And they swim through and I go, oh, no, this actually creates a problem. Because now I'm going to go back and I'm going to go watch Infinity War at some point. I'm going to say, oh, there's a river over the left there. Should have just gone through that.
1: Hey, you could just swim right in. It's, you know. The the shields can't penetrate water, John. It's impossible. Which again, in and
0: of itself, Wakanda is this incredibly advanced nation full of super geniuses and you're telling me that not one person in the entire history said, look at this great shield, mask, and cloak
1: that we have. Yeah, but uh, Mm -hmm.
0: what about the water? Oh my gosh, you're right. The water.
1: Yeah. You know, it's...
0: Nobody... It's a Nobody, Good question. Nobody up to and including, uh, you know, nefarious elements of the the shadow mm-hmm. government in the world would have sent yeah. some sort of yeah. infiltration team into Wakanda to try to steal something. Mm-hmm. By yeah. I don't know, sending a team of seals through the water to go in.
1: I, I, yeah, I mean, you should just you know ridden a killer whale. You would have been fine. Uh, so uh, it, I, you know that. You know, John, this is when shields were not doing good, um, yeah. and uh, there, was a, there was a minor hiccup in the shield variation, uh, and it just hit the water and shorted out. I you, know, I don't know.
0: Look, I, I'm not trying to be petty about it. I'm just saying when I have a moment like that during a movie, I know that the movie has lost me, because I'm too busy thinking about something I shouldn't care about.
1: So something that, of course, you know, we get at the end of the movie, you don't really have a stinger uh, for the film. We really just have a continuation of the scene at the end. You know, Shuri has come to uh, let go of her brother, and it turns out that T'Challa has a son, uh, and he is the prince of Wakanda. So one day we could actually have, you know, T'Challa again, just T'Challa Jr., um, and so i'm I'm really interested to, just to kind of hear do you feel like that is a good way of being able to allow us to have that character again in a few years um and a fitting end for you know the character in general uh,
0: if they were to do that, it would feel like this movie there was just yet another thing in it that was. All for naught, I guess you could say. Because they sort of go to great lengths, proving that you know, in the absence of a king or a prince, you can find other ways to carry it forward. So I don't think it's a terrible idea. I think the kid is young enough that if you're if you're like, oh, well, we introduced him here, and by phase seven. We'll have, you know, another Black Panther movie with him. I don't know. I think you're counting your chickens before they're hatched on that one. I really do. I think it's very optimistic thinking to think that you're going to give this young man the opportunity to uh, reboot everything in another 15 years. But, you know, kudos for positive thinking, you know?
1: All right. Put it out there.
0: It's on your vision board. Pursue it.
1: I mean, I I don't really have any issue with it. I think you know, uh, it does a good job of of paying homage to the the character of T'Challa. You know, the fact that he was able to have a child, have some happiness in that way before he passed. You know, I think all of that's very nice. Um, you know, I I think the thing that I still am frustrated by is the um, decision to kill off Angela Bassett. For what I would consider no good reason because you can still have the emotional weight of the possibility of losing her and not actually have to have her die. Um, We're already dealing with the death of T'Challa in this movie. I don't think we need to deal with the death of the Queen Mother as well. I think Mm -hmm. that was just way too much to add into this movie. And by that point, I think you're so kind of emotionally like – all over the place that it's like, this is just too much.
0: I agree. And if you were planning to bring in T'Challa's son, you could have even had a beautiful little coda scene where the queen mother meets him. And, you know, you have a smiling moment where it says, oh, well, you know, how, how will you raise him? And, you know, she could smile and say something along the lines of, I've done it before, you know, like I can, giving that feeling of like, you can be great like your father was. And because I'm a reason that your father was great, like, and the, then you have that reinforcing of family tradition and learning through
1: legacy. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. You know, um, it's, uh. Yeah, I, where, where are you, John, then, with the ratings for Black Panther Wakanda forever?
0: It's tough, because I feel like we've really sort of been very negative with this. I, I don't have any I – didn't, I didn't have an overly strong negative reaction. But that in and of itself is a problem because I didn't really have a strong reaction except for the 40 minutes of scenes that dealt with what I thought this movie should have been about. And so people could come at me, feel free. I don't care. Come at me and say, Oh, well you're dealing with what you wanted as opposed to what the movie. Okay. Maybe you're right, but that's where I'm at with it. So ratings wise, Oh, man, it's tough. I would probably, I, and I'll break it down this way, uh, as a whole, this is probably a one-star movie for me. However, several performances, Angela Bassett's in particular, earn it another star, another whole star. Because when some people are given the room to perform, they really bring it. Winston Duke included, I love that guy. I think he's great. But extra star for that aspect of it, so I'm landing with a two.
1: You know, it's really interesting because uh, this... Looking back on what I had rated it before previously, and actually, what what's interesting is that this makes another previous entry that we had um, actually go down a uh, half star. Oh, wow. Um, because this is going down a half star. Oh, wow. And... I'm going to give this as well... uh, I'm going to give this a 2. Unfortunately, I think this is... um, There are a few things in here I like, but there's just so much that I find frustrating. And I just don't... I, I think like you, it's like I don't have a massively strong reaction to this. But the problem is, is that I don't have a massively strong reaction to this. Um, I find it to be, and this is a word that I honestly can't stand, but I find it to be incredibly meh. and, And because there's just nothing there to keep my interest. And so... Yeah, I'm going to go with two out of five stars. And that leads me to, of course, ask you uh, where this then ends up falling in the Marvel rankings list.
0: Now, remembering that because uh, what if it doesn't exist on the letterbox, I can can never remember where I put it in the list. Go back, listen to other Assembling Avengers folks, and you'll find out where I put what if, and you can let me know. Um, So, As you can tell, my voice is a little weak, so I'm going to try to plow through this really fast for my list. Okay. Deep breath, everybody. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man No Way Home, Ant-Man, Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Iron Man, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Loki, Captain America Civil War, Captain America The First Avenger, Miss Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Incredible Hulk, Avengers Infinity War, Thor, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Wings, Spider-Man Homecoming, The Avengers, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Spider-Man Far From Home, Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 2, and now debuting at the list, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and then there's my breaking point where we then go Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Age of Ultron, She Hulk, Attorney at Law, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Thor Love and Thunder, and eternally at the bottom, Eternals.
1: Well, I've got Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, Spider Man No Way Home, Avengers Endgame, Captain America Civil War, Captain America the First, Avenger, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Ant Man, Hawkeye, What If, Doctor Strange, Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, The Incredible Hulk, Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Spider-Man Homecoming, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Loki, Avengers, Miss Marvel, Spider-Man Far From Home, Avengers Infinity War, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor, Howard the Duck, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Moon Knight, Black Widow, Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain Marvel, WandaVision, She Hulk Attorney at Law, Thor Ragnarok, Thor Love and Thunder, The Eternals. Yowza,
0: what a couple of lists we
1: have, huh? Who, c-
0: who can imagine that, that next time this could be coming to the end unless people want to reach out to us and tell us to keep That's going? That's
1: true. Yeah, it's true. And if people wanted to do that, John, where would they find you?
0: Well, Tinkerbell needs applause to keep on flying there, Matt. So you can reach out and and give a clap over to Kessel Junkie on the shadows of the Internet. You know, whatever. I'm out there. And then you can visit my voice when it's hopefully in better shape uh, on two shows over on the Nerd Party Network. One is called House Lights, where we look at the work of directors through film. And although what else would they be directing? It's not a live theater podcast. Anyway, House Lights, a lot of fun. And you, of course, can find me co-hosting what I consider to be the most delightful Star Wars podcast in existence, Aggressive Negotiations, that I share the the hosting duties with one Mr. Matthew
1: Rushing. And, of course, uh, I am all over social media under the name MattRushing02 here on the network inside the 602 Club talking about all of those franchises we love You can also find me talking a bunch of Star Trek on different shows here on the network with Literary Treks, The Orb, Warp 5, Saddle Up, and The Artificial Tango. Uh, You can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network with a couple of shows, Aggressive Negotiations, as aforementioned, that everybody should be checking out, as well as Owl Post, a whole podcast about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But, as always, thank you. So much for joining us. And the
0: name of the place was Talakan. Got it.